Well, good morning. It is good to be here. It's good to see all of you here. I don't know very many of you here. That's okay. Most of you don't know me here, here either. But I am privileged today. It's kind of unusual for me to speak in a church and have teachers who are here who teach with me. So I feel privileged to have Christy here. So if you have any questions about things I say or don't think I said something right, you ask her and she'll set everything straight. So as was mentioned, my name is Laverne Yoder. I'm with Streetlight Christian Ministries. I'm from Sacramento, California. We live right in the middle of the city in Sacramento. Now, I grew up on a dairy farm in Maryland. So I tell people, if God can take somebody like me to the city, there's maybe hope for a few more of us. I love living in the city. Highly recommend living in the city. It's, it's, it gives you so many opportunities, so many things you can do if you live there. It's a picture of my family. My family is actually here today, so I'm privileged to have them here with me. This is a picture of our staff. Um, the lady in the front who's dressed a little differently is actually from Afghanistan. She is she helps with babysitting. Picture of our board members. We have been very blessed with a good board to surround us, give us advice, things like that. And then all the way on the right, Byron and Bonnie Miller are from the German Baptist community in Modesto, and they are staff support. They have been, he's a licensed family and marriage therapist, has tremendous experience in working with people. We have appreciated them so much. So before I get into what Streetlight Christian Ministries does and who we are, I want to spend just a little bit of time giving you something to think about from Scripture. From Matthew chapter 25, if I start reading in verse 14, this is in the ESV. For it, the kingdom of heaven, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, if we just stopped there, and this were all of the story that we had, we might have debate. Who is the wise person? You know, at least the person who dug in the ground and buried his money at least he knew it was going to be there. We don't know what's going to happen in the market. So, you know, we might look at it and say, well, this guy, at least he was going to return what he had. But you know the story. You know it doesn't stop there. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. We know that now we start seeing the heart of the master. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more, who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we see that this story that Jesus told, there were some strong, strong attitudes in this story. The king has an opinion, if you haven't noticed. He actually really, really, really cares about what you're doing. And I've realized that when I think about the kingdom of heaven, I think about the fact that God has given me things. Just like God gave, just like the king gave these servants things, God has given us things. We're not all the same. We haven't all been given exactly the same thing. But I would like to suggest that Quite a few of us have been given some similar things. One of the things that I believe God has given to me is I believe God has given me relationships. You know, I grew up in a beachy church. And I remember, you know, going to church with the same people. I remember learning, having to learn how to get along with other people. I remember learning how to work together. I remember learning how to build relationships. I also learned as I learned to know my neighbors where I live now. See, I didn't realize all these things that I've been given, these relationships. I didn't realize they were a thing, a blessing, because they were just normal. Until I moved into where I live now, started learning to know my neighbors, started asking them questions, and started realizing, do you know what I've been given? Relationships is something that we've been given. A lot of us. Is there anyone here who's dating right now? All right, I'm going to pick on you just a little bit. So, how long have you been dating? Seven months. Okay, seven months. That's good. Is is your boyfriend from here? Okay. 
So how did you learn to know your boyfriend? Uh, well, we were teaching English together. Teaching English. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. The first time, on your first date, did he come to see you? Were you together? Okay, so he came to see you. On your first date, uh, um, before you went on your date, did your mom come to you and say, here, I want you to take this pepper spray along in case you need it? <laughs> she said no. Now, see, we, why are you laughing? See, that's ludicrous to us. That's not ludicrous to my neighbors. In fact, that's not unusual. Well, the first time I heard that, I went home and I asked, I asked my wife, I said, honey, did you have pepper spray in your purse the first time we went out? She said no, too, and I'm glad. But you see, these are things that we've been given, that we take for granted. We don't even know we've been given them because they're so far out there. We have so much to be thankful for. Something else that God has given a lot of us is a work ethic. We know how to work. I helped my neighbor jumpstart his car, and he's like, how do you know how to do this? I'm like, well, I grew up on a farm. I don't know. I just always knew how. See, there's these things that we've been given that we take for granted, but they are things that we can use to help other people. The gift of safety. One of the first questions I get if someone's coming to visit or someone is interested in teaching in Sacramento, first question, is it safe? You live in the city. Well, granted, safety, first of all, let's be clear, safety is of the Lord. But if I'm not dealing drugs, if I'm not drinking, if I'm not hanging out in the street corner at 2 o'clock in the morning randomly just walking around. I experience a lot of safety, and I don't spend a lot of time worrying about being safe. But you see, those things, yes, those decisions that I make about drugs and alcohol and things like that, I make those decisions, but those decisions are also strongly made by what I've been given. And I make, I I tell people sometimes that I make many decisions under the watchful eye of my grandpa who grew up in the Amish church. You see, I've been given so much. Something else we've been given is the gift of community. Getting along with each other. It's a good thing for us to learn. We've also been given The gift of family. People talk about family gatherings. Do I enjoy going to? Yeah, I enjoy seeing my relatives and friends. And so I asked my neighbor, hey, Christmas is coming up. What are you planning on doing for Christmas? Nothing. Aren't you going to go see family? No. Why not? Well, my uncle said if he sees, next time he sees me, he's going to shoot me. You see... I've been given things, tremendous things. And a lot of these talents that I'm describing to you were given to me by God. 
I didn't choose them. I didn't choose the family I, I grew up in. I didn't choose the, 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 that I was, it was a godly family. I didn't choose it was in the United States. I didn't choose that I know English. I didn't choose any of these things. But God chose. But if he gave them to me, he's also saying, okay, I gave you these things. What are you doing with them? Some of us know things, something about boundaries. Some of us are still learning things about boundaries. But, you know, a lot of us have learned something about discipline. It's very difficult to be a committed Christian and not have discipline in your life. I realize that's such a gift. Education. My neighbors can't believe all that I know. I, and I'm not specially educated. I've, I went through high school. How do you know these things? You read so well. I'm like, in the school I grew up in, we really believed in no child left behind. And it meant something. There was no expense spared or very little to make sure that every person knew how to read well. That's a gift that we've been given. I've been given. And all of these things... I believe God is saying, I gave them to you. What are you going to do about it? And I realize that we get to choose how we use our talents. These things God gave us. We can bury them and say, we're going to protect them. They will be here for the next generation because they're not going anywhere. We're going to make sure they don't go anywhere. We can bury our talents and they'll stay here. Or we can choose to share our talents and say, God gave me this gift here. I want to share it here. I can help you. And the interesting thing is we don't have to look at this and say, I wonder which one the king wants. The king told us which one he wants. But every one of us, the things that we've been given, we get to choose what we're going to do with them. So Streetlight Christian Ministries, we would describe it as an Anabaptist urban ministry promoting life skills and biblical discipleship. We do those things through Kids Club, through a community garden, through fruit giveaway, through life skills classes, through children's tutoring, through English ESL classes, Children's Bible classes, adult Bible study. Those are all programs that we run. You know, when Rosanna and I first got married 12 years ago, we moved into the apartment complex where we live. And we told God, we said, we want to be used by you. Use us. And you know, I don't think, we we didn't know what to expect. But... I think God took maybe God took some of those prayers more seriously than maybe even we did. It's been amazing when you open yourself up and say, "God, use us." It's amazing what God does with those things. Just to spend a little bit of time helping you understand where we live. So this this red line is around the apartment complex where Rosanna and I live. 
the white arrow here, this is the building that we live in. We live in a, a two-bedroom, one-bath apartment. And so we live here. And then if you go up the steps, up here somebody else lives, and right over here somebody else is, and then right ab- up above them is somebody else. And then some of our neighbors, if you walk just out here is the sidewalk, then some of our neighbors live over here in this building. And, well, then we've got some neighbors over here who live in the building over here. And then there's some neighbors over here who live over here. And then on back there, it's about 35 acres of 33 acres within that red line. 33 acres. The population inside that red line is over 2,000 people. Imagine if you live on a grass farm in a grass field, and all of a sudden, 33 acres next to you is ripped up, turned into apartments, and over 2,000 people live there. I talked with one of our neighbors who lives just outside the apartment complex. He said, I remember when this was all wheat fields. Imagine what that would be like. So as I travel, I'm always interested, what should I know about the place where I am, where I'm going? So as I understand, the Halsey zip code is 97348. That zip code has about 31 people per square mile. Do you want to guess what my zip code has per square mile? You're all scared to, to guess. I live in the 95842 zip code. 8,121 people per square mile. It's a little bit more densely populated than Halsey. Currently, the United States has a population of 36.8 million apartment residents living in 21.3 million apartment homes. Approximately 266,000 new units need to be built each year to meet the demand for more. And the thing that bothers me is that this is largely a place that is untouched by Anabaptists. Even Christians want, you know, even a lot of Christians are going to want to have their own property and their own picket, their own white picket fence, the American dream. And so we have millions and millions and millions of people who live in apartment complexes with very few strong Christians who live there for the reason of living there. You see, I could live where I live and not really learn to know my neighbors. I get to choose if I want to learn to know them or not. But the thing I love about where I live is it makes it easy for me to learn to know people. Because, see, I meet them organically. They're out here on the sidewalk. They're going to work, and I'm going to work, and I get to say hi to them. They're, you know, doing something with their children, and I I get to meet them. See, that's easy, because I'm I'm not such a brave person. Some people, you know, if I live in the country, I have to get in my car and drive out my lane and drive down the road and drive in the next lane, look around for the dog and go knock on the door. It's hard to learn to know people. It's not hard for me because they're all around me. I get to meet them organically. And I love that. That's why I love living in the city because it gives me so many opportunities 
to meet people even when it takes some courage, but it's not as hard as in the country. So welcome to Logan Park Apartments. Here's some pictures. The apartment complex where we live is kind of the the hub for children. It's a lot of places for children to play, things like that. And so children, even from neighboring complexes, come over to play in Logan Park Apartments. Now, the interesting thing about Logan Park, where we live, is it's a huge apartment complex, over 650 units, over 2,000 people. But that's here. Well, just over here is another apartment complex, and just across the road over here is another one, and just down the road over here is another one, and they're all over the place. This is a picture of the building that we rent where we have our classes. This building was a lot of work to get to where it is today. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't start out expecting to be doing what we are today. God has an interesting way of doing things. We started out by asking God to use us. And then we said, what would we do? And we went and knocked on our neighbor's door and said, we'd like to invite you over for supper. It's a single mom with three children. She came over for supper. And you know what? If you've never done that, do that. It's so much fun. And it's so interesting. You know, some of these people, they come over and they're like, I have never been invited to someone's house ever except a relative. And they're so excited. They're like, this is amazing. Well, this is like normal for us. But do that. It's so interesting. You get to meet interesting people and learn to know them in interesting ways. Well, after we were done eating dinner, I asked, I asked the children, do you know how to play Monopoly? Oh, yeah. So we played Monopoly. Then when they were going home, I told them, I said, you know, back then I was working for Choice Books, a Christian book company. I said... I often leave early and come home early. So I said, when you come home from school, is about the time I get home from work. I said, come over to my house and knock on my door if you want to. If I have time, we'll play games. And so they did. And then I said, well, do you have any, we could put more people in this game. Do you have any friends who would like to come? And they did. And they invited their friends. And then their friends started inviting their friends. And I'm telling you, we think as adults that we know how to communicate. We are good at communicating. Hey, ask the children. Now they've got a network that never quits. They know how to get the word around. And you know, people are knocking on our door. And I'm like, who are you? Well, we know so-and-so. Okay, sure. No problem. We, we, I played endless games of Monopoly and Yahtzee and all kinds of other games on our living room floor and Rosanna would make popcorn and we'd have smoothie and we had a great time. And then I told some of the children, I said, you know, we want to start telling Bible stories. So I said on Saturday at three o'clock, I want you to come and make sure you're welcome anytime. But we especially want you to come Saturday at 3 o'clock. 
because we're going to do something special. So they came. If you look close here, you might be able to find a tractor in there somewhere. So, but, but Larry here now, when he leaves my house, is my salesman. Because he walks down the sidewalk, the first child he sees says, what do you got? Where'd you get it? Well, he says, it's just up over here. I want one. We'll go knock on the door. So he comes over and he's knocking on my door saying, Larry had a bunch of candy. Can I have some? How many people can you fit in a one-bedroom apartment? There is a limit. And we started doing kids' clothes. There's a community building in the apartment complex that was kind enough. I, I had met the pastor who was in charge of the building. And I just called her up and explained what we do and said, is there any chance we could use or rent the Life Center? She said, oh, I've dreamed of the community helping the community. You live here, don't you? I said, yeah. She said, yes, come down tomorrow. You can sign papers be on our insurance. We'll take care of everything. I'll give you keys. You can do anything you want to on Saturdays. I went down the next day, signed two papers. She gave me keys, said, have fun. You know, that, that was just such a gift from God. I, I suspect that in Oregon, sometimes it feels like red tape kind of holds everything together, just like it does in California. But you know, God has a way of working those things out. He knows how to cut red tape. And we started doing Kids Club. You know, when you put your mind to it, there's an amazing number of different things you can do when you decide you want to do things with a group of kids. I love telling Bible stories to children. So much fun. It's so interesting to hear their perspective and how they look at it and to give them something to think about. So much fun. We have done Kids Club for the last almost 12 years. Every Saturday, if I'm not gone somewhere, you will find me doing Kids Club. Well, you know, as, as we did Kids Club for a while, then one day I get a phone call from the pastor who was in charge of this community building we were using. We're not in the community building anymore. We are using our own space. But she called me and said, the, the manager of your apartment complex wants a community garden. You and Rosanna seem like people who know how to garden. Now, why would she say that? I said, well, we're not experts, but I said, I grew up with a garden. So we know something about it. She said, we've looked all over our organization. Nobody knows how to garden. Would you go talk to the apartment complex manager? I said, sure. So I walked down. I had met him before. I walked into his office and said, so what do I need? What's this thing about a community garden? He said, I grew up in Canada. We had a freedom garden. He said, I've dreamed for years of having a community garden, but I could, I've never been able to find somebody who knows how to garden. Can you help me? I'll pay for it. 
I said, I don't know. Sure. What do you want? He said, I don't really, I don't really care. I'm not sure. But I want, I want a community garden. I want you to take care of it. So go to the store, get what you need. I'll pay for it, and we'll have a community garden. So I did. We have been privileged to have, usually every year when we're ready to plant, we have a uh, um, group of German Baptist youth who come up and help us get everything ready, and then we have opportunity to have the children come and help plant. It's so much fun. You know, a garden, I, I knew nothing about gardening in California. Never thought I would ever have a garden in California. Called one of my friends and said, I don't know the first thing. You're going to have to teach me. I said, in Maryland, we prayed for rain. Well, he said, praying is a good idea. But he said, if you don't do more than that, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. I said, that's kind of what I thought. Help me. So he came up and taught me how to do irrigation. Community garden is a great way, another great way of working with children, of doing things with them, of having fun together. And it really is fun to show them what it looks like to plant a tiny little seed. You know, I've gained an appreciation for it. I grew up, farm, we farmed about 200 acres. Well, we used a corn planter. We got it done. But you kind of forget in the scale, what it is. But when I get to plant one seed with a child and show them how to pull the dirt aside a little bit, put it in there, cover it up, put a little water on it, and then we can come back, you know, a week or two later, look! And they're like, Mr. Laverne, what's happening? And I get to say, well, it's growing. And then it gets bigger. And it gets bigger. It's amazing. And we take those things for granted because we see, we're so used to seeing them. We forget how amazing it is that God does these things. Every year at the end, about the end of the garden season, we have a, a party where we, we have hamburgers and hot dogs and it's a great time for the community to come together and enjoy and enjoy everything that has been done there. But as you can guess, when you've got this many people, by the end of an evening like that, everything is stripped. There's nothing left. You know, I, hey, I'm a little child. I want to pick things. So it doesn't matter if the tomato's green or red. Why would it make a difference? We do fruit giveaway. One of the things when, when we quit doing kids club in our, in our apartment and started doing it at the community building, I told the children, I said, we're going to start doing it here because we had a child of our own by then. We were starting to realize, you know, that you can't forever put more people into your apartment willy-nilly. And so I told them, we're going to start using this building for Kids Club. But I said, we still want you to come over to our house. I said, you might not always be able to, to come in. But I said, we want you to come. Uh, which, by the way, you should have seen the children when we told them that we were expecting a baby. As one group, they rose up and said, no, 
That's not good. I said, why? They said, you won't have time for us. Now you're going to just spend time with your own family. And I said, I don't think that's true. I said, I won't deny there may need to be some changes, but I said, I don't think that's true. And I said, we'll always care about you. So when we started doing Kids Club in the community building, I told them, I said, you come by my house. I said, it won't always work to come in. But I said, if I have fruit, I'll give you a serving of fruit when you come over. And so they did. They started coming over to our patio to see if we have fruit. And I gave out bananas and grapes and all kinds of things. Well, you know, the interesting thing about giving away fruit on my patio is this is a good place to solve problems. Those of you who have taught school or been involved with children know that when you, you've got, you know, when there's trouble at kids club and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get this boy in line and he's pushing buttons everywhere he can find and we're kind of getting into this thing. Well, all of a sudden all his peers are around here watching. Oh, what's going to happen? This is going to be interesting. Well, you see, if I can, instead of trying to fix this whole thing, the next day he comes for fruit by himself. And I get to pull little Joe aside and say, Joe, we didn't get along so well yesterday. How are we going to change that? See, I'm not saying I did everything right. How could, what, what do you think I should do different? And here's what I think you should you could maybe work on. Is there a way we can get along? And you see, when I get to work on it one-on-one, when his peers aren't all around him, when, he's, when we're not both upset, we can make some better decisions. Well, as you can guess, my doorbell, we put a doorbell on the patio. As you can guess, my doorbell gets a significant amount of use. In fact, my doorbell may be rung as many times in a day as some of yours are rung in a month or a year. And it also makes a difference. When fruit goes on sale, sometimes you just have to take advantage of things. I'm still, I still know about being thrifty. Life skills classes. So we had a group of girls a while ago who came to my wife and said, Miss Rosanna, you make the best cookies in the world. Can you teach us how to cook? Well, guess what? Cooking happens to be a strength in, our, in, in a lot of Anabaptist cultures. My wife, I think my wife makes excellent cookies too. So we had cooking classes. Well, with cooking classes, you can teach so many things besides just how do you make something. You can teach how, what are the different food groups. You can teach what would we put together to make it look nice. You can teach what would be a healthy choice. All of these plates were made, all of the things on these plates is made from Play-Doh. As they get to think about what should they make, what would be a good thing to put together 
And then after you talk about these things, then you can actually give them the ingredients and say, okay, great idea. Now let's do it. And you get to put the things together. the end of cooking class every year, we have a banquet for all the girls who have been in class. It's a great time to sit down with parents, other people, and just talk about what the girls have learned. Well, as you can guess, after a class like that, the next day, there's going to be girls at our house saying, Miss Rosanna, what else do you know how to do? Teach us something else. Well, see, I'm, I'm not, you could say I don't, I'm not that smart. I just take the things that I think we might be good at and use them. Why do I have to reinvent the wheel? Something else that we are, we have in our culture is sewing. A lot of people know how, how many people have a sewing machine in their house? Uh-huh. See? One of the things that my wife did the last time in sewing class is she had them memorize. She had a character lesson every time they had class. Had them memorize a certain phrase that they can remember. This was just this past summer. Well, you know, there's so many things like this that I just think some of these things are good for people to learn. Yes, you can go to McDonald's every day, but it's not a great choice. You could learn how to, how to actually do some cooking. You know, you don't have to learn how to sew, but there are advantages to that. There's a reason that my neighbors knock on my door and say, Miss Rosanna, can you sew these emblems on my biker jacket? You see, there are practical skills like this that we can learn. Well, for the boys, what should they learn? One of the things that I think is so much fun is watching someone who's 10 years old who has never held a hammer before and teaching them how to hammer a nail. No, you, there's a good chance you can get through life without ever having to use a hammer. But I suspect that there will come a time when you wish you'd know how to put this motto on the wall or you wish you knew how to, you name it. And I get to teach them how to put nails into things to build birdhouses. Or bird feeders, rather. Well, as we learn to know so many of these children, we also learn to know that there's too many of them who don't know how to read. When you've got a fourth grader who doesn't know how to read, what is the chances that this boy or girl will ever be off of welfare. The chances are not good. And it bothered me. I, 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 I appreciated the education I have. I've taught school in private schools, in the public school. And I, it just bothers me when I see, saw so many children. And I kept telling our board, what are we going to do about it? And they're like, well... What do you want to do? I was like, I don't know, but I want to do something because it bothers me. So finally, I told 
Rosanna, I said, I'm just going to do something. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to do something. And I st- we made a list of some of the children that we thought were about the worst. And we said on Wednesdays, we want you to come over. We're going to meet at the, at the Life Center. And we want you to come. We're going to work on tutoring. And we did. And it was about that time in 2019, 2018, that the first Afghan people moved into the area. See, up to this point, we were working primarily with African Americans. A lot of single moms, it's low-income housing. It was back about 2018 that I, I had been at a conference discussing how to reach Muslims. And I came home saying, well, that it sounds great, but, you know, we're not involved in that. We're not working in that demographic. And that Saturday at Kids Club, there were children from Afghanistan. And I said, well, how did you get here? What are you doing here? They lived here. They had just come. And we started tutoring and we started working with some of these children. Well, we learned very quickly if they're try, trying to learn to speak English, you actually could have a class with them. What if we would have a class? We started having some classes with them. And no one in 2018 would have guessed that Afghanistan would be where it is today. See, the first people were just starting to come in who had been working with the U.S. military in Afghanistan. First people had just come in. And then, as you know, things went south, way south in Afghanistan. And all of a sudden, these people started pouring in. Well, as we were working with some of the children, one day one of the, one of the dads came to us. He's a teacher. You teach my children English. Would you help my wife? He said, she sits in our apartment and cries all day because she doesn't know any English. And she doesn't know any person. She can't go shopping. She doesn't have her license. She doesn't have any friends. She sits in our apartment all day, every day, and cries. He said, I know, I know some English. And he did. He spoke a broken English. He said, I can do things. But help my wife, please. You're helping my kids. Well, that's a pretty strong statement. So I went to, we had a, a girl from Kansas who was helping us during that time. And I went to her and said, do you want to try this? I said, I know nothing about teaching adults. I've worked with many, many, many children, but I said, I don't know anything about adults. She said, I'd like to try it. So I went down to the local college and took pictures of all their textbooks and called publishers. Said, do you have a local rep in Sacramento? I want to meet with them because I'm going to teach English. I don't know how. I don't have any idea what I'm doing. And we sat down with publishers. And I, we, oh, we asked all kinds of questions and we tried so hard to understand And I went and bought a whiteboard and leaned it against the apartment, one of the apartment walls where where the single girl that was helping us lived and said, okay, we're going to have class. Well, in Afghanistan, they spend more time on the floor than on, than, you know, it's a little bit foreign to think of sitting on a chair and working on a table. So this was not a problem for them. We had a whiteboard leaned against the wall and okay, here we go. We're having class. 
two ladies. That was all that were here. Then it grew to three and four. The next year, as people trickled in, this lady would say, you want to learn English? Well, yeah, you come here. These people, they, they know how to teach English. The next year, we had eight students. And it went from there. As people moved in, as more and more people from Afghanistan and even other places, we are now working with people from other countries as well. Still primarily people from Afghanistan. The apartment complex that we live in today, almost half the people are from Afghanistan. And almost, I would say almost all of them know who we are. And that's not because we've done advertising. That's because this person told this person who told this person who told that person. And I see so many of them, we all almost always have a waiting list of people who want to be in classes. And our apartment complex is far from the... Uh, there are, In the community, there's probably, I don't know, thousands and thousands of Afghans now. It's been so interesting learning to know them and teaching English to them, having them come to class. This was one of our teachers took her class, part of her class, to a pet store to talk about pets. Okay, so you see this, this rabbit. How would you describe this rabbit? Is it soft or hard? Is it cute or ugly? Is it big or little? Talking about comparisons. How do you compare things? How do we think about opposites in our language? The interesting thing that we do is we have kind of a a split way of teaching English. And, you know, God has interesting ways of making things happen the way he wants it to. And that's what I love about it. When we first started teaching English, we so badly wanted to use our own space, but the county wouldn't let us use it. We were still making changes. So we ended up, you know, leaning a whiteboard against a wall. And the the neat thing that that did was that invited them into our home. And then one of the students said, well, my children aren't going to be in school tomorrow. Come to my house. And so our teacher went, to their house. And it became this thing where we, you know, where shall we have it next time? Well, now we have classes in a rented space, but we still spend time, so much time in their homes. We have have classes four days a week for an hour and a half. And then in the afternoons, that's in the morning, then in the afternoons, our teachers go to their homes. Individually, if you're a student... You get an hour a week that I come to your house and spend time with you. With you. If, that's, if they want to study English, that's great. If they want to talk about Afghanistan, that's great. Talking is so important when you're learning to speak English anyway. And the neat thing is, it, it, you know, class is a great way to teach English. 
But the tutoring is where you get to build those relationships and where, the, where you learn to know these people. And when you are not sure if you're at the right place or not, if there's a pile of shoes outside the door, there's a very good chance it's an Afghan family that lives there. Our teachers spend a lot of time on the floor studying with their students. So as we continued to teach, some of the ladies said, well, what about our children? I said, oh, well, now we offer babysitting for those who have children who need something to do while they're in class. You know, this is only by the grace of God and by good teachers. And this is, these numbers are only based on the reality of what we can do, not on the reality of the need. Children's Bible class, every Wednesday afternoon, we have a class about the Bible with children. And I love talking about the Bible with anyone. But children are so much fun to discuss these things. Talk about these interesting concepts that the Bible has. Adult Bible study, Sunday afternoons, we have a Bible study for anyone who's interested. It's not big, just a few, usually a few ladies, usually a few children. But it gives us a chance to sit down with them and pray with them. Talk about the Bible and talk about what it means today. We had to get creative sometimes during COVID. Guessing you've been there. You know, there's so many. I want to spend a little time telling stories now. There's so many different things that we have we have seen happen. It's so interesting. But one day, I was going to have a math class with with some children. They came in, and we just got our books open. We're all ready to get started. And one of the guys... One of the students looked at me and said, teacher, who are you? I'm like, how do I answer that? You know, I'm a lot of things. I said, well, I'm an American. He said, no, no, no. He said, he said, my dad says there's three people. There are, there are Jews and there are Christians and there are Muslims. Who are you? I said, ah, I said, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. He never met a Christian. He's looking at me like, whoa. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, well, my dad said that Christians go to the fire when they die. I said, I understand. I said, I disagree. But I said, I respect your father for teaching you. But I said, I, I, don't, I don't agree with him on that. I don't think that's true. Well, he said, I'm a Muslim. I said, okay, that, that's fine. He said... It's very easy to become a Muslim. You just say these words and then you're Muslim. It's no problem. But he said, how do I become a Christian? I can see he's thinking, you know, I could just be a Christian and a Muslim and get the best of both worlds. Like, why not? How how do I become a Christian? So I'm thinking, how do I answer this 11-year-old who asked how to become a Christian? 
I said, well, it's not quite as easy as becoming a Muslim. I said, you have to, you have to tell God that you're sorry for the things you did wrong and ask him to forgive you. I said, you have to read the Bible and do what it says. And you have to believe that Jesus is God. He said, no, I can't do that. He said, Jesus isn't God. I said, yeah, he is. Well, he said, the Muslims can't believe that. I said, you're right. That's why you can't be both. I said, you have to choose. You can't be both. And he went, he, he said, the Bible. You have a Bible? I said, yeah, of course. I went and I got him a Bible and I showed it to him. He said, I said, here, do you want to look at it? No, I don't want to touch it. He didn't want to touch it, but, but he wanted to see it. So I opened it up and I showed him. I said, see, in this Bible, see these parts that are written in red? These are the words that Jesus said. And I said, you would be welcome to take. No, 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 my dad wouldn't let me take it home. I don't want to touch it. But he was so interested. For the first time, he met a Christian that he had been hearing things about. For the first time, he got to see a Bible that he had heard about. And this little boy went home thinking, trying to think, how do I process all of this stuff? Well, it wouldn't be fair for me to come to Christie's church and talk about all of these things without giving her an opportunity to say something about what she does. So I asked Christy if she would come up and share something about what she does. Christy, you want to come on up here?
going back when I first came to the Cape Club and saw a large number of smiling faces and just all these happy children and um, they were just, you could tell that they loved being there and they um, did really good just like doing the craft and uh, listening to the battle story and you could just tell it was like a highlight of their week.
interesting that like every time she would start her sentence, she would always say, Professor John, or Professor John this, Professor John that, and I was like, I could, I could understand where she got professor from because um, their diary word for teacher translates to professor in English. So I was like, this is funny teacher, I get that. But I was like, where did she get that my name was John? <laughs> I never said my name was John. <laughs> large traditional Afghan meal and they um, yeah we all sat down and they just served me a large portion of their food and just when just when I was about full to the brim <laughs> she comes over and serves me another large platter of rice and lamb and um, it was so good and then after that she came out with dessert <laughs> and I had to try to eat some of that and then after that, we got to sit down and drink tea and talk. And um, they even, like, did some traditional Afghan dancing and let me see what that was like. And that was really fun. And then um, then they had birthday cake. And um, they made me feel like such an honored guest. Like, they, um, I guess, like, for their ceremony, they will have, like, the birthday boy take a spoon and like feed all of his guests some cake <laughs> and so I was the first person that he fed cake <laughs> and that was really sweet um so yeah I just um have been building some really good relationships and um just really love it there and uh Laverne and Rosanna have been super supportive to me as a new teacher and all of my co-teachers are wonderful uh friends to live with and uh, have been so helpful and um, yeah like I've shared the ladies there are just very thankful for um, our help and they um, they just yeah they, they show it over and over again in the way they treat us and they um, they've just expressed to me how like the other schools don't do what we do like she said that, like, you know, they teach you English, but they don't come to your house, and they don't, like, do things with you. Like, she's like, I really like you. <laughs> she's like, you actually, like, you're my friend, and they're just so sweet, and um, it's fun to learn, I mean, to hear them, like, learning English and trying so hard, and, um, like, a few of the phrases that have been really cute to see is, like, some of my students, like, when I first... Um, was teaching them, like, when I'd leave their house, my one student would be like, have a good bye. <laughs> she was so cute. And then another one was like, nice to meet you, teacher. So nice to meet you every time I'd leave. <laughs> but then they finally caught on that that's not what you say. <clears throat> and, yeah, it's just really neat to be able to talk with them more and 
get to learn their families and um, just get to experience their culture. And um, I just felt like it's really neat that just because of where I was born in America, like I have the privilege to be able to give something to someone that um, to me it didn't, I didn't have to do anything to earn it. And uh, yeah, just like Laverne was saying, like we're so blessed with the uh, upbringing that we had and just all that God has revealed to us. And um, just such a blessing to be able to be used by him in this little way. And just praying that the Lord would use me more to be able to share the gospel with these people that haven't heard it before. So thank you for all of your support, and it's so good to see you all. It's good having her there. (laughs) I told Bethany she could say something too, but she said she's just going to come up here and give Christy support. You know, one of the first times we had a party, we had a birthday party for one of our, our teachers back a few years ago, and we decided to make it, you know, to to have a party. Both of our teachers actually had birthdays almost the same time. So we decided while we're having this birthday party, we'll, you know, we'll just, you know, make sure all their students know and all that. And, what, you know, it's so interesting when you are try, imagine trying to figure out just like Christy talked about, all these different things, nuances of our culture. Well, one of the ladies came with a nice big bag for her teacher, very proudly gave it to her teacher. On the front of the bag, it said, it's a boy. You know, we enjoy our students, and we have a lot of fun with them. But it also is interesting, as you learn to know the Afghan culture, the Muslim culture, you get a chance to see the good. There's a lot of things I appreciate about them. You know, they have better family values than a lot of other places. They, in general, stay together as families. There's not a lot of divorce. Um, The children get to grow up in a two-parent home. They they have something they believe in, things like that. There's things like that that I appreciate. And, it, and sometimes you can look at them and you think, you know, they're almost a Christian. But then you also, as you learn to know more about them and who they are, you also get to see the, the backside that isn't so pretty. So this past summer, one day I was, I was working in my office doing things and Somebody came in the door of the lamppost, and so I just walked out. I didn't, I didn't know her. I thought she looked like an Afghan lady, but I didn't know her. I walked out and said, hi, can I help you? I figured, you know, maybe she wanted to sign up for class or something. We're not having class right now. It's the summer. And she looked at me, and she said, can you call the police? And I said, yeah. But I said, Why? She said, my husband was choking me. I'm afraid he's going to kill me. Well, I'm kind of out of my leg here. So I picked up the phone and called the police. They came out, interviewed her, went and arrested her husband, put him in jail. And I helped her then work through 
the different nuances of a restraining order and things like that. Because this is not the first time this has happened. Well, more she she is now one of our students this year in class. And I just talked with her the other day, and she said, yeah, my husband moved back in. I said, is that good? She said, I think so. Well, I said, if you ever need help, you know where to come. I said, I will help you. You know that. You see, there's things like that in their culture. See, that that's... Wife beating is common in their culture. It's not a problem. Well, now they come here to the United States, and it's not okay, and I don't think it's okay anywhere. And I feel sympathy for them because they do come from a place where it was okay. At the same time, it's not okay. I don't care where you are or what you believe. So it's it's interesting to walk with some of these people in some of these things. We've had different ladies who sit down with their teachers and they share things that are just horrific. We we sit down with our teachers sometimes and we just we pray and we cry and we try to figure out how do we best help these people. How many of you are familiar with the 1040 window? Most of you. See, I grew up praying for the 1040 window. And I always prayed in terms of God open the door so we can go there. I believe that God is answering part of that prayer by bringing them here. When, when my neighbor moved in and, and it was an Afghan family, I told, I told my wife, I said, this is God's answer to me praying for the 1040 window. How amazing that I thought I'd have to, you know, we'd have to go there. There is still a place for us to go there. But God is also opening doors for them to come here. How amazing. There are newsletters in the back. Please feel free to pick them up. There's also a sign-up sheet if you would like to be on our mailing list. We would be more than happy to send newsletters to you. There are also prayer cards. We have pictures of a whole bunch of the children. If you would like to take those home, put them on your refrigerator, pray for them. And there's candy back there. Some of us enjoy candy. Some of us more than we should. But please feel free to pick up a piece of candy or several and enjoy them. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for listening. Are there questions I can answer? Do a lot of the children come to your service on Sundays? Or? There's, some, there's some of them that do. We have a Bible study on Sunday afternoons. And so there's some of them that would come to that. Um, it varies. There's a lot of the Afghan children whose parents wouldn't let them come to a religious service. But then some of them do. And some of them are, you know, we have enough fun. We do enough fun things that it, they want to come. One, one Sunday, one of our teachers was over at one of her friend's house, and we were just getting ready to have Bible study, and he was looking. He lived just across the street from where the lamppost is, and he said, Teacher, what's happening over there? 
She said, well, they're getting ready to have a Bible study. He said, well, I'm a Muslim. Would it be bad for me to go to Bible study? Well, she said, you, of course you'd be welcome. Anybody's welcome. So he ran across the street and came to Bible study. I think he enjoyed it. It's not all been smooth. <laughs> um, we, I would say it has more been... The one thing that happens with the Afghans especially is they're, they're, it's very honor-based. And so they're much more likely to say, to not allow their children to come than to come to me because I kind of hold a place of respect as a teacher. And so they're not too likely... To come to me, they're just much more likely to just not let their children come. Um, but we do, we, we feel like we walk an interesting line, especially with some of our Bible classes. We really want them to be about the Bible and about, that's what we're here for. At the same time, we do want anyone to feel welcome. And so walking that line sometimes is, is an interesting balance. But I would say as far as we've experienced probably more persecution from the Americans than from the Afghans. Um, when we first moved into the apartment complex and started doing things with children, some of our neighbors were so upset by all these children coming to your door. And we actually moved several times within the same apartment complex till to, to we found a place you know, I, I, I think about the, where God talks about Isaac and the wells. You know, we moved to one place and our neighbors were so upset. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. Finally, we just moved to a different apartment in the same complex. And the same thing happened. And I, I, I said, I just want to know if this is persecution because I'm doing a good thing or persecution because I'm being a bad neighbor. I want to know. And we moved again. And God gave us peace. We've been in the apartment that we live in now about 11 years. We moved two times in the first year. And have been in the same apartment now for about 11 years. Are there any other Anabaptist family units there? Or just you and Rosanna? It is. We are the only, family, the only Anabaptist family that lives there. We worship with several other Anabaptists families, but they would all live outside of the city. So yeah, we're the only ones that live right there. Mm-hmm. We're open to more of you moving there. Mm-hmm. Thank you again. You know, the thing that I realize is that God has given us so many neighbors and so many opportunities. The interesting thing, though, is that God also has given you neighbors. We're not the only ones with neighbors. We get to choose what we're going to do about that. God bless you.